0: What's up, everybody? This is Colby Wood with the Medical Sales Certification Podcast, and welcome to this episode. And what we are going to talk in this episode is about superior capsular reconstruction. And so this will be uh, Anatomy on the Go episode number six, I believe. Um, Again, as kind of our disclaimer to start, uh, I am not a physician. I have never treated patients this, uh, this podcast is informational only, and it's directed at medical sales reps or, or people that want to get into medical sales. Um, this is in no way a recommendation of treatment or anything of the sort. So just so we're clear on that, uh, got to make sure nobody tries to falsely accuse me of anything uh, going on in this podcast. So um, the Superior Capsular Reconstruction is a procedure that's actually been around quite a number of years, Uh, going back probably 10-plus years now over in Japan by a Dr. Mahata. Uh, Essentially, the situation was in Japan, they did not have a reverse shoulder arthroplasty system that could be used. And so Dr. Mahata essentially had to develop a procedure to help patients out who had an irreparable supraspinatus tendon tear and uh, and and give them some sort of functionality back in their arm because um, a a patient that has an irreparable supraspinatus tendon uh, that is the ideal candidate. Well, that's not necessarily true. Somebody that has a an irreparable supraspinatus tendon uh, that patient is going to struggle with. Um, range of motion in the shoulder because when you fire the deltoid to move the arm, essentially what happens is the humerus just moves vertically and bangs into the underside of the acromion. And so if you don't, if a patient doesn't have arthritis or any severe arthritis, ideally you don't want to give that patient a reverse shoulder arthroplasty because a reverse total shoulder is designed for patients that have an irreparable supraspinatus tear or another uh, concomitant issue that would indicate a reverse shoulder arthroplasty, but in in this scenario, it, essentially, if you are if you're a patient that you can't repair the supraspinatus tendon, but you have an intact subscapularis and infraspinatus, then your options are going to be limited because um, the techniques that have been out there for those types of patients have not been great. You know, there have been patching grafts. You know allografts that you use to patch the uh, the gap or the distance between the uh, the torn rotator cuff tendon and the footprint on the greater tuberosity but those outcomes haven't been that great so you don't have a whole lot of good options you know if you if your supraspinatus is torn and it's it's an irreparable situation you're either taking a graft and you're trying to patch it so you're suturing it to the torn rotator cuff and then back to the footprint or you've got to look at something like a reverse shoulder arthroplasty because we just haven't had the techniques to be able to provide a good option for these types of patients. And so the the superior capsular reconstruction was born out of that need where you've got a you've got a patient that's, you know, 40 years old, let's say, and he failed a rotator cuff repair and now the, you know, the rotator cuff is irreparable, but they still have an intact subscapularis and a uh, infraspinatus so that, you know, the anterior and posterior aspects of the glenohumeral joint are, are balanced, but their supraspinatus up top is torn and irreparable. And what happens again is you just get the superior migration of the humerus when they try to move their arm. And so you can get patients that get uh, pseudoparalysis, which is a common um, situation among patients that have an irreparable supraspinatus tendon, because what, what's going to happen is you're going to try to move your arm and flex your arm forward, right? Like into forward flexion to raise your arm up. And when you do that, you're firing the deltoid. But what happens is because you don't have the supraspinatus sitting on top of the, the humeral head and pulling the humeral head into the glenoid so that the, the glenohumeral joint is stable, what happens is the force of the deltoid is moving vertical and it just pulls your humerus into the underside of the acromion. And, and then what happens is you, you essentially you struggle to move your arm. And it almost feels like you have paralysis because you can't move your arm. And so they call it pseudoparalysis. But what it really is, is you have a not, you do not have an intact and functioning rotator cuff. And so when you try to fire your arm and move your arm using your deltoid, the, the humeral head bangs into the underside of the acromion, and then you can't move your arm. So it feels like paralysis. So that's pseudoparalysis. And that's what a lot of patients get if they don't have that functioning supraspinatus tendon. And so it, for the patients that are in that window, right? Like this procedure is ideal for somebody that is on the younger side and or still wants to be relatively active, right? You don't want to do a, a reverse red, reverse total shoulder on a 40-year-old if you don't have to, uh, or certainly any younger, you know? It, you're not going to give a super, uh, you're not going to do a superior capsular reconstruction on a patient that, that's 75 or 80. You're just going to do a reverse If they, you know, if they don't have an intact and functioning rotator cuff, because that's, you know, that's probably just going to be a better option than them trying to rely on their body healing that graft. But if you're a younger patient, you know, I've seen uh, personally these done on, you know, 25 and 30 year old patients who, you know, either due to, um, you know, uh traumatic injuries that tear the rotator cuff or overuse injuries, whatever they you know, they failed one, two or three rotator cuff repairs and now they're out of options and they're thirty years old. Like you're not gonna do a, a reverse shoulder on somebody that's thirty years old. So we've you know, there was a need to develop some some kind of technique like this to bridge that gap because, you know, this technique, the superior capsular reconstruction, you're not recreating the native anatomy. From the rotator cuff perspective, now the superior capsule is a distinct structure that that sits directly underneath the su- the uh, supraspinatus tendon, and that is what you're anatomically reconstructing with this procedure. But you are not reconstructing the supraspinatus tendon. So you know the thing to understand about this procedure: this is not going to get you back to full function, right? You 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 don't have a <laughs> supraspinatus tendon transplant here. You are using an allograft on the superior aspect of the glenohumeral joint to keep the humeral head depressed and in place and in contact and centered on the glenohumeral joint or on the glenoid surface so that you can get range of motion back. You know, you're getting your activities of daily living back with this type of procedure. You're not going to be an overhand athlete. You're not going to be doing a lot of different things that you would with a normal shoulder, so you know that's that's kind of the first thing to understand. You're not recreating the supraspinatus tendon. You know we don't have that technology at this point. So this is this is a procedure that's going to give you function back to somebody that is not in a position to get a reverse shoulder arthroplasty. All right. Um, so that's kind of the the outline of the procedure. Now let's I'll go into a little bit of detail now on kind of the the technique itself and and why it works the way it works and why it's different than some of the other procedures that have been done in the past. So in the past, what what surgeons were trying to do was use bridging patch grafts. So they take this allograft, you know, a dermal allograft, and they patch it and essentially suture it to the uh, torn rotator cuff and then take that graft and and attach it to the footprint of the supraspinatus tendon on the greater tuberosity. But the problem is, if your rotator cuff, if your supraspinatus tendon is not functioning well, then it's not going to be able to to uh, keep the depression on the humeral head, right? So, like the whole objective, if you remember back to the the um, rotator cuff anatomy or the whatever the podcast I did on rotator cuff, the objective of the rotator cuff is to keep the the humeral head in the glenoid socket so that your deltoid can move your arm, and When you're doing a patching graft, you're relying on still a functioning and intact, or a functioning at least, supraspinatus tendon that's going to be able to fire and pull on that graft. But but it's there's nothing fixing it or fixating it on the medial side on the glenoid. And so what the what the superior capsular reconstruction has done differently than a bridging patch graft is that you're fixating the graft medially on the glenoid rim, and so. If you if you can kind of think in two dimensions and you're looking anterior posterior and the shoulder, you're going to have the this dermal patch graft sitting up top in the shoulder. You're going to fixate it medially on the glenoid rim. So you're going to put just like you're doing a slap tear uh, for the labrum. You actually are going to be removing the labrum in this procedure superiorly. You're just gonna you're going to resect the labrum because you're going to uh, reattach this graft and you need it to heal down where the superior labrum is sitting but you're essentially resecting it. And then you're going to put anchors in just the same way you would for a slap tear. And so you're going to put your anchors in medially. And those anchors are going to hold down the medial aspect of this dermal graft. Uh, and that's that's how you're going to get your fixation medially. And the reason that it's so important to fixate medially is that the humeral head wants to move vertically when you fire your deltoid. So when you're trying to move your arm, your humerus wants to go up in the air because that's the deltoid. That's essentially the direction that the deltoid is going to fire. So you need something fixated medially to resist the movement, the superior migration of the humeral head when you fire your deltoid. You know, it's it's essentially a reverse trampoline effect. So, you know, if when you're fixated medially and then you fixate laterally on the greatest tuberosity, as if you're to try to manually push the humeral head up right? Like you grab the humerus and you try to shove it up. What's going to stop it from moving vertical is the fixation of the graft medially on the glenoid side. And so that's why it's so important. And that's why it's different than doing a patching graft, because in a patching graft situation, you're just grabbing the supraspinatus tendon medially, but that tendon doesn't have the strength or the functionality to be able to hold it down in place, right? Like if, if you have torn your supraspinatus tendon and you can't repair it, number one, you're probably going to have poor quality tissue. Number two, you're probably going to have fatty infiltration of the muscle because it's going to atrophy. If you're not using your supraspinatus tendon, the, the, the muscle belly is going to atrophy. So you've failed a repair a couple of times. That means that your tendon quality is probably not going to be great. You're probably not going to have a whole lot of tendon left, to repair, and you're probably going to have fatty infiltration of the muscle belly. So it's not likely that your supraspinatus muscle is going to be functioning well. And so it's vital to have the, the dermal graft fixated medially so that it resists that superior migration of the humeral head. And so that's what you're going to do medially. You're going to put your anchors in medially on the glenoid, just like you would do a slap tear. And then you're, you're going to pass those sutures through the graft and tie the graft down medially on the glenoid and then laterally you're essentially just doing a standard rotator cuff repair laterally you've got enough of the dermal graft to essentially cover the footprint of the rotator cuff out laterally and you're just going to do a single or double row rotator cuff repair out laterally with the dermal graft and so you know what when you finish the procedure if you look down, you know, through the arthroscope or if you're doing an open procedure, you're going to see a functioning subscapularis in the front of the shoulder. Then you're going to see kind of a gapping in, in the um, um, interval space. Sorry, I was blanking on that. In the interval space, uh, the rotator cuff interval, because you, you probably are not going to have a whole lot of interval tissue left. And then you're going to see the, the dermal graft sitting kind of like a flat trampoline on top of the shoulder. And then, as you look posteriorly, you're going to have an intact infraspinatus and an intact teres minor. And you have to have the intact uh, subscapularis and uh, infraspinatus/slash teres minor because you need you need the balanced shoulder anteriorly and posteriorly, right? Like if you have a if you have a torn subscapularis but an intact infraspinatus, you're going to be unbalanced in the anterior-posterior direction. And so, doing a doing a doing a superior capsular reconstruction to fix the supraspinatus is not really going to help the problem. So if you don't have an intact and functioning subscapularis or infraspinatus, you have to do a repair of those structures as well to then, uh, that would be a contraindication for doing a, a, a superior capsular reconstruction if you don't have an intact and functioning subscap or infraspinatus because you need you need the shoulder balance anterior, anteriorly and posteriorly. Um, And so technique wise, that's kind of, I think, I think my objective here is to get you to understand kind of the genesis of the technique and the idea behind it and why it might be a little bit different than kind of your dermal patching graph that those procedures have been done in the past, but also why you would want to do this over a reverse, right? Because if you are a, like I said before, if you're a younger patient, you don't want to go down the road of getting a reverse shoulder arthroplasty at 20 years old or 30 or 40 or 50 unless you absolutely have no other option. Because there is nothing after reverse shoulder arthroplasty for us at this time. Like there is no good procedure. There is no viable option for you if that fails. And so this, this technique it has really allowed surgeons to offer those patients a good alternative to getting a shoulder arthroplasty. You know, there, are, there have been other random techniques and things that you can do, but, but nothing that has restored uh, relatively strong function of the shoulder joint to get you back to the activity, activities of daily living that most of these people are looking for. You know, you, even if you're 30 years old and you're getting this craft, you're not going to be going out and, and, you know, playing men's league softball probably you know, I don't know, who knows, maybe you will be in, you might be one of the, the lucky ones, but you're not going to be out there throwing a ball around all the time. What this is going to do is going to keep you from getting a very invasive uh, procedure done on your shoulder, a very non-anatomic procedure done on your shoulder that doesn't have a great bailout option. And that that's where this can kind of fill the gap there. And so that can kind of give you an understanding, hopefully, of of the procedure. The other thing to keep in mind, With this procedure as well, when you're talking about with your doctors, uh, talking to your doctors about this technique or this procedure, is understand that you're putting an allograft in the shoulder, and an allograft is going to take time to incorporate, right? Just like you're doing an ACL or allografts anywhere else in the body, it takes time for the body to infiltrate and remodel the graft. And so when you look at the studies done on superior capsular reconstructions, at time zero, meaning that at the time of surgery, the weakest point in the construct is the fixation points, meaning that the graft is strong. And if you were to pull to failure, your failure would happen at your anchor points, So either medial on the glenoid or lateral on the humeral head where you do your, you know, essentially rotator cuff repair. At three months post-operatively, the weakest part of the graft is intra-substance, meaning that the weakest part of the entire construct is no longer at the fixation points, it's in the graft itself. But then at six months post-operatively, the weakest point then moves back to the fixation points initially. And the reason for that is that the graft remodels over time. You know, you put this allograft in the in the patient's, you know, shoulder joint. What's going to happen is the body is going to start infiltrating that graft. So it's going to start replacing the, the, essentially, the collagen bundle, the collagen dermal graft that you put in there. It's going to start putting, you're going to start infiltrating that with your own native cells. But the problem is there's a period of time when it's going through a remodeling phase and you're infiltrating that graft that it's going to be essentially denatured and weak but then if you play that out long enough it eventually becomes your own native tissue infiltrated by your cells and then the graft the strength of the graft goes back up and so there's a period of time if you're looking at 6 months postoperatively you have to be very careful in kind of the 2 to 4 month window that the patients even if they're feeling a lot better in their shoulder they don't overdo it because they might be feeling really good but the weakest point in the in the uh, construct is going to be intra substance in the graft at that point, and you've got to allow time for the graft to remodel and your body to take over and infiltrate and and you know remodel that tissue uh, to make it strong again and, and make it your actual tissue. So um, that I think is probably about all I've got on the spear capsular reconstruction from a technique perspective, especially arthroscopically, it can be very difficult to do. There are a lot of steps. That you have to ensure so that you don't, you know, cross your sutures and you know get into problems when you're trying to pull this thick raft into the joint. Um, if you're selling these types of procedures, uh, I'll leave the specifics of the technique to your technique guides. Um, it's just not necessary not necessary to walk through that with you. But what I'm hoping from this episode is that you have an understanding of what the spear capsular reconstruction is why it has essentially come into vogue, let's say, as an option, as a viable option, and kind of the, the trade-offs and the things to think about when you're having a conversation with your doctors about this, this procedure or this technique. So um, anyway, anyway, I hope this was a helpful podcast for you guys, and thank you for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye.